ladies and gentlemen, the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass is in effect. I'm Steve Kim, joined by Mario Siskel and Ebert Lopez. More on that later. <laughs> Kimster, good to see you. Quick shout out to, to people who oh. give us gifts on this holiday season. My guy Charles right here from uh, listens to us down in um, the Valley in McAllen, Texas. Got our first brass knuckles. You know why? Appropriate. We, we pack a punch. We pack a punch, buddy. Shout out to uh, Smoking Tim Frazier and of course Tino. Tino. On the edits, right, the bout sheet for this week's program. It was the day of reckoning in Saudi Arabia and Unified once again is the monster the year-end review and Ask Mario and Final Flurries. But before we get started, we want you to know this podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, located just 15 minutes from downtown L.A. If you love poker, now is the time to play in their high-limit crystal room for a $50,000 total giveaway this holiday season. Come check them out. And we get started from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. It was mm. a day of reckoning. A lot of stuff happening. Your main event of the night, Anthony Joshua, with an impressive fifth-round knockout over Otto Wallin. While it's upset city in the co-feature, the mm. best laid plans of mice and men. Joseph Parker basically whitewashes the bronze bomber Deontay Wilder, putting their fight in March in jeopardy. More on that later. Mario, Anthony Joshua... And Joseph Parker, between them, had seven fights. And I thought they were two of the sharpest fighters on this card. Can we say it again? Activity matters. I think that's the theme of 2023. And we saw that play out with most of the PBC fighters who, unfortunately for them, didn't have such a stellar showing the last um, few fights that, especially that were very eventful, the fighters that were busier look sharper therefore they were victorious speaking of sharp that's the sharpest i've seen anthony joshua look uh in, in a, a while, while. he yeah. was putting up some uh clips of him where he there was some thunderous punches in those pads and we know guys look can look great in the pads when they're not hitting back but he was able to um utilize that in the ring when it actually mattered and put that combo together when he hit Otto Wall in with that clean right hand and following it up with that left hook. Ooh, and he didn't go down, which was very impressive, but they did a good job of going upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs. He looked a little bit of old, like the old Joshua that was making a scene when he was making a run uh, to his initial heavyweight championship. He was the sharpest I've seen him looked, and that was against a quality opponent. He was an active guy in a tip of the hat to him. I don't want to transition too much over to the other fight yet with Deontay Wilder, but you saw such a stark contrast of a guy who was active, to your point, and was able to really um, put it together and and make it work for him to where not only was he victorious, but he's really kind of on the top of the mountain again, got a lot of buzz, to where another guy that looks like he's just not there with his legs anymore, he looked off, was a beat off, and I know we're going to get into that later, but... Joshua looks like he's got his mojo back, and he looks like he's the guy who we thought he was back in the day. Anthony Joshua fought with command and presence and confidence, controlled things from the outside, was too strong for the mid-range, right hands to the body, and Otto Wallin, his arms were simply too short. So he was always in a catch-22 right. that he had to either dive all the way in or he's going to get picked apart from the outside. Now let's talk about Deontay Wilder. Mm. Here's the thing that got me from the very beginning. He was circling that ring. He was floating like a butterfly, which did not allow him to sting like a bee. And after the fight, a noted trainer, and I got to keep his name out of this because there's a lot of politics involved, told me a great point. He said, Steve, 
when you are training Deontay Wilder and you're going to set a game plan, you have to understand he is a linear fighter. In other words, he's got to be a railroad track, straight line A to B, controlled distance. He's not really good at setting his feet in a circular pattern and dancing and then pulling the trigger. You're much better off just understanding what he is. He's not going to dance. He's not going to box. He's not going to move. He's a puncher that has to come downhill point A to point B. And what's interesting, Mario, the first round I said, okay, that's a feel-out round. I get it. He hasn't fought in a while, three minutes in about 24 months. Here's the problem. That became a feel-out fight. He looked like a guy... He didn't want to get too close to that fire. Again, to your point about activity, whereas the flip side of that coin, Joseph Parker mm. looked sharp. Another guy who looked better than ever. Very, he was busy. He had a few fights under his belt. He's a big guy. Forget he's a big, yes. big guy. That's Samoan in him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he can really crack. And he was not intimidated, Kim. And I think the fact that he was so active gave him a lot of confidence. He went in there himself looking sharp, really let his hands go. Mind you, he was swinging for the fences for a couple of those, what was it, the fourth or sixth round where I thought, oh, I thought he was going to take him out. But it was an exciting fight and what uh, an upset. And man, will we ever see Wilder and Joshua? Well, it took a little of the luster off. A little? Yeah, a lot of the luster off. I mean, mean, the way Wilder fought, it was more than just a loss. Well, honestly. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Aside from he didn't look, aside from not looking sharp, he looked unsure of himself yes in there he looked unsure of himself he looked like the same guy going back to those videos that uh you're able to to uh, uh put together punches on the pads you don't always transfer uh into the ring and it it's disappointing because i think he is good for the sport having such heavy hands he goes in there and sometimes he'll he'll knock out or sometimes he'll he'll be in good wars with like tyson so he is i think good for the sport but when he starts talking about well you know i've made enough money and the ayahuasca got, yeah oh, and you've boy. got you've got one foot out the door already and you're already kind of leaning towards retirement. I don't think it bodes well for the future of him, whether he decides to stay. I think he's already kind of mentally kind of checked out. So tip of the hat to Joseph Parker did what he had to do and he looked really good um, doing it. I ask you a question. Had Andy Ruiz accepted the offer, they made a deal to fight that version of of Wilder. Now there's another guy that obviously hasn't been in the ring that often, but I think it would have been in a competitive fight that, I don't know. After seeing that, maybe he had a a shot. What do you think? It would have been a 50-50 fight. I think so, too. But to take a quote and to paraphrase Michael Jordan, you win none of the fights you don't take. Mm. You got to be in it to win it. Right. And here's the thing. Uh, I want to give a tip of the cat to Andy Lee, the trainer for Joseph Parker. They had a great game plan. And there were still a few right hands that Wilder threw that looked like a heat-seeking missile. And every single time... Parker either slipped it, rolled it, ducked under it, or just got out of the way. Mm -hmm. But again, that's timing and precision. People say boxing is a game of inches. No, it's not. It's a game of fraction of inches. Mm -hmm. And you saw what timing and rhythm and being in sync does. And then you you get that from being busy and from staying sharp and for being active. And I said this to Malik Scott back in March when I saw him. And it was at the Brick House. I said, Malik, you're doing a lot of great work in the gym. Here's the thing. You guys need fights. Mm -hmm. You could do all the drills, all the practicing, and even all the sparring. But till you get in there with real fights, with 10-ounce gloves, no headgear, live bullets. Think about a basketball player. If all they ever did was shoot and do drills against the cone and do all these fancy slam dunks. But if you don't play basketball... You can't get better. Well, even to, to use along the lines of that analogy to your fraction of an inch, think about it. A guy that just hits in the batting cage until you see a live arm 
coming at in you. Real game in situation. a real game situation, you're not going to get used to that timing. So it's exactly it. In a real fight situation, you're not going to get used to that timing. And and uh, the jittery movements and maybe the feints and stuff. All that matters. So I don't care how much experience you have. You still have to be in there applying your trade and, and staying sharp. So as far as the future for Deontay Wilder, it's a major monkey wrench. Uh, for him in his future. But like I said, it sounds to me like he's already got one foot out the door. And you know what? I'm not mad at it. Deontay is who he is. People were trying to say the best, this and that generation. No, he was a guy who was exciting, who hit hard, who made for fun fights. He managed to make a lot of money, money. made a lot of money, gave us three memorable fights with Fury. And if that's all it is, then hey, then I, I, I respect him for that. You know, it's that old line from Mickey after the statue ceremony in Rocky 3 when Mickey said, I'm out of here. And Mickey's packing his bags and Rocky says, where, 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 where you going, Mick? And the worst thing happened to you that can happen to a fighter. Yeah, it was that. You, you got, got civilized. civilized. Exactly. You got civilized. Hey, it's hard. I don't know. Who was it? Was it Tyson or was it in a movie who said, it's hard to get up in the morning run at five when you're sleeping in silk sheets? I think Marvin Hagler made oh, that, that was Hagler. That was Hagler. famous. I don't yes. know if he came up with it. Also on this loaded card, WBA light heavyweight champion Dimitri Bivol with a 12-round decision over Lyndon Arthur. And the ring magazine cruiserweight champion Jai Opataya zaps Elizoro in one. Then also another heavyweight action, Daniel Dubois with a 12-round knockout over Jarrell Big Baby Miller and Agat Kabayel undresses Arslanbek Mahmudov in four. Mario, Dimitri Bivol, I think we're big fans of his. I think he's unbelievably skilled. He's one of the greatest fencers that I've ever seen. But this is what he is. He's that sports car that looks unbelievable, that can do everything that modern technology will allow. It's fancy. It does all the things. But it just drives in the middle lane at 55 miles per hour, and it does not shift gears, and it frustrates the heck out of you. That's what he is. When you said fencing, that's exactly what he is. He, fa- I've never seen someone use the one-two so effective. He literally just throws one-twos, but he throws them so damn well, yeah. and he darts in and out so beautifully on his feet, and he times you so well, but he one-twos you to death. I don't think I can count the number of hooks that he follows it up with, um, much less going to the body. If he ever fought a little bit inside or added a couple of assets, yeah. I, I mean, added a couple of, uh, of wrinkles to his game, but... But it works for him, and he's effective, and he did beat him convincingly, and he is one of the best boxers in the sport. But you're right. It's like almost he underachieves with his ability, and it's frustrating. Mario, you know, it's funny you say that. (laughs) About four or five years ago, when there was the Legends Boxing Gym near Downey, California, Rudy Hernandez, who was there, and a lot of Manny Robles fighters were there, and for about a couple of months, Dimitri Bivol was there. Right as he became world champion, and Rudy Hernandez has what discerning eye goes, Steve, I know you like Bivol. Let me tell you something. That's maybe the best boxer in the world. However, he goes, Steve, he doesn't even understand how good he is. Right. And he said if he would add an uppercut to everything that he does, yeah. and that's what the announcer <laughs> was saying. Right. And <laughs> I listened to a show called BDA Boxing. Good friends of mine. They've had me on the show. And a guy by the name of Jimmy, call him Jimmy's Corner. He used to call him to my old show. That no guy, relation to Jimmy's Corner. No, no, but that's what we named him after. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy really knows his boxing. He made a great point this weekend on one of their live streams. He said he's so good at the one-two, he's never developed the three and the four. Right. And if he would just mix it up a little bit in terms of the cadence, rhythm, and the variety, that's where people start to like be able to crowd and they are able to kind of cower. But if they had a little bit more of a variety to his punches, that's where his fights get really, really monotonous, that lack of variety. Correct. But it, it's one of those things that when you have success— 
and it's working for you. Right. Then why change it up, right? But it is frustrating because I've never seen someone be so effective with the same combination. And you know it's coming. And you and, can't stop and it. And you can't stop it. He still he still does it. So, yeah, I mean, he, like I said, he's one of the most talented fighters in the game. But you feel underwhelmed. Yes. <laughs> so it's a little frustrating. Leaves money on the table, money on the as table. they say. Yeah, but Mario, it's working for him. Jai Opataya had Yo. the knockout of the weekend. And I'm going to say this right now. He's the best cruiserweight in the world. Not and Jake Paul? Uh, oh, God. He wouldn't be Jake Paul's <laughs> sparring partner. Sparring partner. Here's the thing about Jay Opataya <laughs> that concerns me. The IBF tried to coerce him into not taking this fight to take on a mandatory that was not ready to fight. So he said, you know what? I'm going to dump the belt. I'm going to make money in Saudi Arabia. Here's the problem. He is so good and dangerous. The other world champions could also now say, well, you're not an official world champion. So this is going to be a test case for how important is the ring magazine belt. And if Saudi Arabia is willing to fund these events would these other champions say, you know what? If you're going to pay me three times more to face that guy who's number one in the division by Ring Magazine, I'll even dump my belt. Because hmm. when I look at Opataya, I, I don't know if he's going to be Evander Holyfield or Alexander Usyk, cruiserweights that had great success at the next level. But in my view, he's the best 200-pounder on the planet. No, I agree. And I don't think anybody's rushing to beat him. Whether he can make that jump um, remains to be seen. But damn, he looked impressive that night. That was a hell of a knockout. I mean, right just, just bounce the guy. Oof. And so we'll see what happens to Jay Opataya. And hopefully there's an economic stimulus where fighters say, you know what? Damn your sanctioning bodies. We don't care about your mandates. Again, this is prize fighting, last I checked. And if the money is good enough, um, let's hope guys throw their hat into the ring against Opataya. Also, Daniel Dubois came into this fight with the reputation branded as a quitter. I think psychologically, this was a big win. He had to overcome some early pressure from Big Baby Miller, and he outlasted him, was better than him, sharper than him, and he stopped him. And Daniel Dubois is still in his early to mid-20s. I would not count him out. And Arslanback Mahmoudov, he's a guy that looks like a Bond villain. By the way, before you move on, that yeah. was very impressive, especially considering the weight difference. Yes, 100 pounds, basically. Dude, 100 pounds, is, that's a whole person. Yeah, and for <laughs> Jarrell Miller, uh, and I like Jarrell. I used to call his fights on CBS Sports. Jarrell, I still like you. I have nothing against you, but less is more. You had the piano on your back after about the fourth round. Drop about 35 to 40 LBs. If it's not too late, it'll actually help you. Yeah, just because you can weigh whatever you want as a heavyweight doesn't mean you shouldn't. Right. Also, uh, <laughs> Arslanback Mahmoudov is one of these guys that looks like a character from the Game of Thrones. He looks like a Bond villain. He looks like a monster. Here's the thing about monsters. They don't like to get hit back. Hmm. And once Caballel didn't go anywhere and he started hitting him to the body, the air got out of the balloon and you could literally see Mahmoudov's body shape and his body language shrink. So a big win for Agat Caballel. Yep. All right, when we come back on the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass, we talk about the monster Inoue and everything else in the game of boxing. This podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, located just 15 minutes from downtown L.A. If you love poker, now is the time to play in their high-limit crystal room for a $50,000 total giveaway this holiday season. For more info, go to HustlerCasino.com. And we're back on the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass. Steve Kim, Mario Lopez. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to get involved, with the three knockdown rule and sponsor our fine program, 
We still have some slots available. Please reach out to us by emailing info at boxbid.io. Once again, that's info at boxbid.io. Boxbid.io is an online platform that is launching soon. It helps public figures and professionals in the world of boxing get sponsorships. We are proudly working with boxbid.io. All right, Tuesday morning from the Adiaki Arena, Japan. Bonsai on ESPN Plus, your new undisputed junior featherweight champion of the world, the monster Naeyo Inoue, with a 10-round knockout over the game-tough, rugged Marlon Topolis. Mario, there's only two fighters in the world that can say they're two undisputed champions in separate divisions in the four-belt era. That's Terrence Crawford and the monster. Mm. And those two fighters, I think, stand head and shoulders above everyone else right now when you're when you start talking about pound for pound greats in the sport i think there's anyway in crawford in that order by the way and, oh and then a gap Ooh. between everybody else and i say that not to take anything away from, not to take anything away from crawford because you know i love me some crawford and he made it any problem ironically he probably had the event of the year or performance performance of the year but not fighter of the year, if that makes any sense. I, see, I agree with you that. Because I think, ironically, the activity <laughs> mattered. Matters, In yes. that, what do you have? Fought about three more times, didn't he? Uh, in this last... Uh, well, he fought twice this year, three in a 12-month well, period. That's what I'm saying. But, in a 12-month period is what I'm talking about. But, so, but then also Crawford did fight Avanessian in December. So it's only one fight. But in the calendar year, I mean, by mathematical uh, metrics, he fought twice as much. He and did. caliber of fighter. When, what he did with Fulton, which we saw recently again, was so impressive. And Fulton was a guy who was undefeated. A lot of people thought he was going to be too much for him. And for Inouye to go up yet another weight class and have a stoppage in the 10th round in impressive fashion. Now, listen, he got touched a little bit, but it's boxing. It's going to happen. And what I don't think people understand is when you're that much smaller um, in these lower weight classes, they're generally a lot younger guys. There's a lot higher output. Those fists are flying a lot more frequently and you're going to get touched a little bit more. And tip of the hat to Topolis, my guy came very well prepared, showed a lot of heart, really tough, started digging those hard shots to the body, caught Inouye with some solid shots on the chin. And another thing about Inouye, my guy could take a shot, which we knew he could because he talked, he caught some with Donaire in their first fight. But in this one, he took some shots in at, in a heavier weight class and he still seemed very sturdy. He is so disciplined in the way that in his attack, we talked about how He's so compact with his punches. There's no wasted energy or movement. His feet are always in perfect position, and he's um, always has such great balance. He measures his yeah. distance so well. And Topolis changed his defense a little bit. He started. He adjusted to the shoulder roll, but ended up with that high guard. And he's so powerful in your way with those big looping overhand rights. It didn't seem to matter with the guard because he was busting right through him and slowly and methodically start, started to break him down. It was a really impressive performance. And I thought the fact that he went up yet another weight class and had yet another stoppage, okay, again, put the exclamation point for me that I think there should be no doubt about it that he is by far the fighter of the year. And right now, pound for pound, okay. the best the best fighter. We'll get into that later. I will give Topolis credit because I thought he would be your generally very tough, stereotypical, hard-nosed 
Filipino fighter. No, There's no left, doubt about left it. Left no stone on turn. He and went after out there, a go. pretty rough beginning in round four, when a blistering combination from Inoue sent him down, I'm thinking, ooh, this ain't going mm. to look good. Showed hard. But then the next three rounds, I thought Topolis made a very interesting adjustment. He didn't necessarily go into the Philly shell, but the Filipino shell. Mm. And the up jab started to give Inoue mm. credit. And Inoue, again, you have to make the adjustment off the adjustment. I love the fact he started shooting the lead right, and he's looping it, and he would double and triple it. I love that. And then by the end of the eighth, he started to return the tide, and you could see it was starting to buzz him. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Those last two right hands, he hit through the guard. Those things were partially blocked, but the guy just crumbled. It was like a wrecking ball just finally taking down the foundation of a building. That's the power. And and and, and anyway, such a gentleman gave props to, to Paulus. For his valiant effort, and it was a good, great showing. I think his stock didn't drop at all um, after that. And it's funny because you start judging people by a curve, right? Kind of like when Tyson was on that terror, and if you're able to kind of go the distance, then you start kind of grading right. them a little bit, judging them a little bit. But that's different. a sign of greatness. Of when course, people judge you that Abs- harshly. Absolutely. But I think even Inoue said, "You know what? I'm going to chill at 122 for a while." I'm with that, and I am not opposed to that. And I think there's some great fights to be made. I'd love to see him and Neri. That's a great, that's a fun little Oh, fight. and the notorious Louis Neri, who was banned in Japan for some of his antics. And you got MJ Akhmedalia. We, we, we saw Neri uh, oh, against, against uh, Azat Havonesi. Yes, Ooh. tough Armenian kid. We saw him here in LA. He's good, kid. Yeah, and also. Now he's good. Now, I think, obviously, anyway, might be a little bit too much for him, but that's a great little fight. And there's some, my point is, there's some good fights to be made still at 122. Also, one of his mandatories, a young man of Australia that's kind of burst onto the scene, Sudden Sam Goodman is another really good fighter. Hmm. Here's the thing that people, I disagree with people and they say well he's undisputed he's got nothing to prove he should move up immediately couple things number one Come on. he's a 30 year old guy who began his career at 108 so he's a really small guy yeah. this is his fourth division that he's won a world title I don't know if you agree or disagree with me Mario but just because you collect all the belts in two fights if you don't fight a few more solid contenders I think there's a difference and again I know I'm cutting splitting hairs there's a difference between being undisputed and actually cleaning out a division. Because if you leave a division and there's a couple of more really good former world champions or young, hungry contenders that you don't fight, I'm not so sure you really clean. I'd actually like to see Inouye bring out the broom, clean it out. There's fights to be made at 22. Has anyone ever discredited Marvin Hagler, who stayed no. in middleweight his whole career? Whole career. Whole career. No one was ever pressuring him, or he didn't succumb to any sort of pressure to move up to super middle or light heavyweight. If you're the man, then people should come to you. And anyway, is by far um, the man. And like you said, he's, he's genuinely a little guy. It, not everyone is Manny Pacquiao, where you can jump up eight weight classes and still have. He's about the closest thing as a physical specimen with hand speed and power. How about the legs? And the, the legs, the too. trunks. And the legs, too. And that, that, what I was telling you just last night, to Pacquiao, just with the speed on his feet and his hands, and he was able to carry that power all those weight classes. Anyway, is about the about the closest thing I've seen um, since him. But even that, I think that's still a lot of weight classes. I Look, may, I think 126 is probably the ceiling, uh, the ceiling eventually, and especially him being um, 30. And there's some great fights to be made there too, but knock off the talk about the 135 and tank and this and that. that knock that off. That's yeah, ridiculous. I just find it amazing. There's more pressure from certain fan bases for Inouye to fight Tank at 35 than there is for Tank to fight guys like Devin Haney and Tiafimo Lopez. And, I, and he's fought at that weight class Right. Before. And by the way, here's the thing that's interesting about Inouye. 
This will, and we were watching highlights yesterday at your house on Christmas Day, going through different highlights, preparing for the show. This is the first guy in Topolis who's actually the shorter guy uh, in comparison to Inouye. I think that kind of actually played a role in some of the difficulty. When you're looking up at guys, the other guy generally, if they're taller, is an easier target. One thing Topolis did pretty well in the middle of the fight, he started to get his head all the way back, and he got into that slant stance and made it a little bit more difficult. And But you look at Inouye, when people say he's small, I like to think it's like when they said Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders were small. I said, no, they were short. Because if you look at their bottom half of their body, the torque and the acceleration that they bring to the table is unreal. Right, but I also said, too, when we were watching that tape, Inouye looks small compared to all his opponents. In yeah. the ones before, I was like, wow, he's small, which makes it all that much more impressive yeah. that he's able to have some so much power and take these guys out because all the fighters we saw him up against, he looked like the smaller man uh, in there. Yeah. yeah, this was the one time, ironically, that he was a little bit taller. But still, he you could tell the the difference a little bit, even in power. Topolis, again, he's tough, man. Yeah. He showed a lot of grit, and he really came to fight, which made it uh, which made it a lot of fun. Not to venture off too much, but uh, day after Christmas, was it Rocky Four that Rocky had a fight on Christmas? Yes. Christmas Day, right? Yeah, even though even though Polly kept saying, I'm going to miss the Rose Bowl. I'm like, Polly, Rose Bowl's New Year's Day, bro. Big college football fan. Yeah, but you know what, Polly? It, it, yeah, it, Paul, it goes for yeah. Polly out a little bit too much. I kind of like those. I wouldn't mind if it was on Christmas Day. I would go. It'd be kind of well, fun. Well, remember, in um, Japan, they always have like a New Year's Eve show. Championship Yeah, I remember fights. that. But I'm talking Christmas yeah. Day. I just thought of Rocky Four because I remember when he fought him on yeah. Christmas Day. Oh, and, I'm and not opposed to that. I think the first Rocky Apollo Creed fight was on Thanksgiving weekend. Was that on Thanksgiving weekend? So it was around that time. You're right. It was it was around Christmas break though. Right, because I was like, yeah, it could be considered a Christmas remember movie. Remember, Polly right. threw Adrian's yeah, 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 bird. Yeah, the bird, they the get bird, that right. bird out of here. Yeah, so yeah it was. Yeah, I think it was in December. Man, You're exactly a, right. Polly was an angry drunk. Yeah. You know. But anyway, that was the last really <laughs> big major fight of 2023 as we wrap up the schedule. Mario, looking at the year in review, these are some of the things that kind of come to mind immediately. Are some of the big fights and the unification bouts that came to fruition? Tiafima Lopez uh, against Josh Taylor. Mm-hmm. Finally, the long-awaited battle between Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. Mm-hmm. And then the, the battle between Tank uh, Davis and Ryan Garcia. That kind of stands out to me. Um, when you think of 2023, what comes to mind? It, those fights, I was trying to think of the heavyweight division. And I think Usyk still beating Joshua was... A huge, but I think that was last year. Was it, bro? Because I have I, that's what I'm. I'm, yeah. tr- I'm racking my brain because everything's Usyk so. Usyk fought once the Daniel Dubois fight, which may or may not. Was it last year, yeah. Kim? Right Damn, right. it's like everything like blurs now yeah. as you get older. Well, I hit 50, dude, and then yeah. your memory goes. Damn, I couldn't remember. Okay, so it was the last one. Yeah, those are the most the most notable. I would also add uh, Benavides, uh, who had a hell of a year. I think his um, his body of work in general, he belongs on the very short list of. Fighters of the year, not in the top, but he's on. He's in the Mount Rushmore, uh, oh. I think. And I would even give him the nod over Devin Haney, only because I still think it was a controversial victory over Loma, and a lot of people thought he won. And you can't be in fighter of the year conversations with a controversial victory. That's just my opinion. Do you agree? I don't disagree. Look, I thought at least half the people that saw that fight uh, in late May believe that Vasil Lomachenko should have had his hand raised in victory. When you look at Terence Crawford and Inouye. 
Their three fights combined, it was absolutely conclusive and clear who the best guy yep. was in that ring. Mm-hmm. One last thing as we talk about this year, though. Go back. I forgot. So you, pound for pound, you have in a way over Crawford. I do only because hmm. of the only because of the activity. And again, not to take anything away from Crawford, because that's my guy. And um, he, I, I just, and I don't know if it's because he was maybe trying to position himself for the Canelo sweepstakes. Um, I love that he wants that smoke. Obviously, he wants that great payday that comes along with it. But I just think he was inactive enough. And one fight, as great as it was, you can't compare that to a guy that just became undisputed in two weight divisions. But that's just me. I don't disagree, but keep this in mind. And again, I do believe that Errol Spence may have not been the Errol Spence of 2018. Again, things happen. Uh, But Errol Spence, I believe, if I am not mistaken, coming into that bout was a top three or four pound for pound guy. So when you say to yourself, Steve... Uh, who had the best victory on paper in 2023? I would have said, oh, the guy from Omaha. No, See? I no, that's what I said earlier. Yeah. I said individual performance, one fight, right. then yeah, I would give it to Tens Crawford. But fighter of the year is just that. Of the year. See, so because no, of the activity. Fighter of the year, I, I agree. Is I that different? I think it is Fight of way. the year? How, does that make it fight of the year? Crawford over Spence. Or performance of the year, you think? Performance. Well, is okay, it, fine. Perform. Oh, yeah, because correct. is right. a fight. Performance of the year, Crawford over Spence. Fighter of the year meaning his body right. work, then I would go But anyway. pound for pound, I, I still think it might be slightly Crawford 1A in a way 1B, and I'll tell you why. Even now, I believe Bud is just a tad bit more slippery. That's just my view. I think it's as, a, as opposed to? In a way. Oh, well, look, the only thing I would say is I feel the caliber of opponent that in a way fought and going up in weight classes, because not to get meticulous. So you but, take Fulton to Paulus over not, Spence. Well, not to get meticulous, I mean, but this isn't the Spence. This is the same Spence that just got buzzed over Ugas, remember? Mm-hmm. Right there. And it didn't look like the Spence pre-crash. Not to, I'm not trying to diminish Crawford at all, but if we're splitting hairs in comparisons, the, he fought a sharp Fulton right. that looked... That a lot of people were starting to favor. He shot a, fought a well-prepared to Paulus. All his guys were on point. Yeah. It wasn't a guy that had a devastating car wreck and that was touched up earlier in his fight. We didn't know if he was the same. Does that make sense? I'm with you, but I, I still think, again, pound for pound is about on this particular day Oh, dude, and time. we're talking one, one A. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. we're, there's it's no It's incremental big, difference. It's incremental, yeah, minuscule. And and, and I get, like I said, they're on yeah. their own tier than everybody else. Yeah, there's two goes. classes. Those two and everybody else. Also, I know people are going to be giving out basic awards and, you know, I don't want to get too much into it because it gets monotonous, but... Mario, when I think of best fight of the year, I think we watched it yesterday at your house. Rafa Espinosa against Robes Ramirez had everything you wanted. It had momentum shifts. Drama. It had knockdowns. Guys getting off the canvas. Mm. It had a dramatic ending. And, and I think just as importantly, the judges got it right. And it was an upset. Yes. A big upset. I agree as far as fight of the year. The storyline was great. You had a two-time Olympic gold medalist, essentially in his hometown on the East Coast. You had this tough Mexican guy who was boxing well, gets hurt, like boom, gets dropped. Really almost dropped twice in that same yeah. round. Comes back, asserts himself. It was back and forth action. Essentially even, and Kriegel had it even going into the 12th. And then he drops uh, yeah. Robisa. It was, it was, for me, the, the fight of the year with the... Uh, um, 
the drama of the ebbs and flow of the fight. By the way, I sent you a thing. I'm really becoming a fan of Rafa because my guy can sing. He's a crooner. He's a, he's a renaissance yeah. man. Plays the guitar, sings. That was an original song I sent you mm. that he t- wrote for his mom about winning the championships. And I was like, all right, I like this guy. I mean, he's like a, a full... Well-rounded individual, so a tip of the hat to him. And, you know, people can talk about the prospect of the year. I know there's going to be a lot of heat for Emiliano Vargas. But you know what? I think Emiliano Vargas can win that award for the next two years. I think you got to give that award to a guy that's ready to graduate from the 8 to 10 round level to being in 12 round fights. A young man that I like, and he's got sharp skills, and he's got a very good head on his shoulders. I enjoy dealing with them. Bruce Shushu Carrington, mm. featherweight out of Brooklyn, now based out of New uh, New Las Vegas. He's got all the tools, and his last fight against Jason Sanchez was a bit of a step up. And the way he looked, I said to myself, that guy's ready to contend as a featherweight. I really like him a lot. I have no problem with that. He He's a talented kid, and there's a lot of fun fights to be made for him right there. Not to take anything away from Emiliano, too, but it is. You're right. you got to have some sort of criteria, and I think he's got a high ceiling. Yes. And I really do like Emiliano. Uh, Mario, now, the other story, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. One of the big stories of 2023 is that... Um, there will be no Showtime boxing. And last week, Showtime put out this uh, the end of an era video, about 38 minutes. I watched it, and it was a great run. And But now uh, HBO and Showtime are no longer in the sport of boxing. Our youth has just died. Yeah, our youth has just died. There's no doubt about that. And so a salute to them. And Mario, one last thing, and this is something that I focus in on every year now. And again, I'm not making any judgments, but I'm going to let the numbers speak for themselves. As you go to the Ring Magazine Top 10 it's Crawford, Inouye, Usyk, Canelo, Bivol, Haney, Spence, Tank, Tiafimo, and bam, uh, Rodriguez. Mm. Mario, do you know out of those 10 guys, guess how many times do you think they fought this year? Total. Eight. Not that bad. <laughs> well, how many guys? How many guys did you list? 10 guys. Oh, 12. 14. Wow. So they didn't even average two fights. They averaged Damn. 1.4. That's that's embarrassing. So I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm letting people know, like, if you're going to have a sport or an industry where your leading stars and your biggest names have to be out there the most, mm-hmm. and I don't even count Canelo now, because when you're 60 fights in, I get it. You're going to fight once or twice a year. He fought twice at least. No, I agree. So think it, about this. There's one, two, three, four, five. Oh, my God. That, I, Six I did, guys in the Ring Magazine top ten fought one time. Here's my adjustment to that, to that list. I Ooh. have Inouye one. I have Bud two. Okay. I've got Canelo three. Okay. I've got Usyk four. I've got Teofimo five. Then I've got Devin Haney. And then after that, I think... By the way... You can have... Make an argument for maybe a Peter BF Shakur or B-Ball... Yeah, and Better so Bf I think fought one time because he got injured. Here's he got thing. injured though. It wasn't. Well, he's always injured. I know. Death taxes and a Better Bf injury, yeah, which is so ironic because he's such a big, rugged guy that yeah. hits so hard. It's not like he's a fragile individual. You know what they say but... about sports cars though? One spark plugs out of place, you can't yeah. put it on the road. Yeah. Tiafimo to me is disappointing. He fought in I know. June. So disappointing. And you're I know. thinking, wow, he's back. And you know what he did the next week? Chilled. No, he announced his retirement. That's right. Well, chilled. <laughs> You're right, like EPMD. God. So my, my my view is, and I, I will give no matter what you think of the Lomachenko decision. Okay, the decision is the decision. You know what Haney did? He said, "Okay, Regis, you're up. You want to get to some place in this game? You've got to be active." 
I agree. And this whole notion that some, look, even Ryan Garcia, the only reason I'm I gave a harsh that, critic, he fought twice. I, no, I agree. You, you know? know what I like about Ryan too? Real quick with Tio, the only reason I gave Tio a little bit more of a nod is because he beat the man in Taylor, who beat Regis, who. Devin beat, right? Mm-hmm. He still beat the man in that division. That now, was you it. went six degrees of Kevin Bacon there. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'll tell you what I do like about Ryan. He did fight twice, too, and I like that he wants to smoke. He wanted to fight Tank, got that fight. He's asking to fight Haney. Yeah. You even reported that that was legit, and he's not just having Twitter fingers out there. He wants to fight him. I like these. All these guys out there being Twitter gangsters, say what you want about Garcia, but my guy wants to fight the best. Yeah, no, I, I think that's respectable. And I heard his family and his team are big fans of this show. And, and one last thing about Crawford. He crazy. was actually held back by the contractual situation with the rematch with Spence. I want to be a little bit fair about that. Yeah, I understand. Because that fight was supposed to happen before the end of 2023. But again, 14 fights from theoretically your best 10 fighters in the sport. Not good. Not, not good for the sport. Did you know in 1993, because I did a story on this for Ring Magazine last year, that the top 10 pound for pound in 1993, you know, they fought a total of about 37 times. That was the last great era. Because you know why he was number one and two? James Tony, who was the last American big-name champion mm-hmm. to do non-title and tune-up mm-hmm. fights. And Chavez, of course. who would fight on Showtime in one month. Three weeks later, Khan Didn't care. He just said, you know what? I'd rather get paid to fight than to train and spar. Exactly. And You're going to get hit anyway. And we're Might ne- as well get paid for it. But unfortunately, we'll never go back to that era. Wow. <sighs> Moving on to the Ask Mario segment of this fine program. Here's one from El Tercero Ray. Ask Mario. Hey, Lopez, UFC question for you to close the year. I know you're tight with Dana White. What's the rationale behind the UFC to keep having events at the Apex and passing up on other venues? If you haven't been to the Apex, it's cost, isn't it's it? It's an awesome venue. Yeah, you've been there for a few times. It's awesome. UFC land? <laughs> like what I call it. It's what like it Disneyland. is. It's incredible what uh, Dana's been able to build. The, the most incredible gym facilities you've ever seen in your life with the most modern technology yeah. and equipment. It's like a dream. It's like a heaven. You could be there for like a week and not use everything. It's so much. It's it's incredible. The event, it's, or the event center, I should say, the Apex is so much fun. They utilize it a lot during the bubble. And now they have events there uh, or constant fights there. And it's so cool to see. And if you're ever there in person, you have to come. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So he goes... Um, there and just a couple blocks over to T-Mobile and is able to utilize them uh, both. But as we discussed, he's going to be the first to utilize the sphere. Whoa. So that's going to be, I can't wait to see that. Mario, it's very On simple. Mexican Independence Day. Mario, it's very simple. It's a way to keep fighters busy. Yep. And if these fights are not going to do big box office, own the place, rent the place, use the place. Exactly. There have been boxing promoters that told me, Steve, exactly I wish right. we had an apex. That if we have eight or nine fighters that need wins, and instead of dispersing them throughout the country, just have a portal where you can have a building and say, hey guys, get to work, develop yourself, yep. build a record. We can put you on a bigger show down the line. But I, I actually think to me that I love it because not every fight is going to be a pay-per-view event. Not every fight's going to sell a lot of tickets, but the fighters and boxers need to work. And some of those fights end up being fantastic yes. fights too. And they build to something. Yep. Again, here's one from Carl Brandt. Whom does Mario think Anthony Joshua should fight next? And where does Jalei Zhang fit into the heavyweight mix now that it was shaken up last Saturday? Dubois versus Zhang. 
Zhang is the wild card. I, you know, Ooh. I'm mad that we have not brought him up because he was one of my favorite performances. There's, dude, I like that dude, and I'm surprised that his name is not mentioned that much more because he seems to be incredibly marketable, but obviously dangerous for the other heavyweight opponents out there. I would love to see that fight with Joshua, and I think it does big business. He's dangerous. He's southpaw, big, and he can bang. And I don't know if anyone Zhang can bang. Yes, I don't know if anybody will, is going to really get in there willingly. Unless it's mandated. I don't believe for one second Daniel Dubois people will put him in there. There was actually talk earlier this year of Zhang getting in there with Tyson Fury. And I said, yeah, over Tyson Fury's dead body. It was way too dangerous. I just hope that the Lanes, Mills Lane's sons who managed that career, just keep him busy. Uh, because he's got an Olympic pedigree. and But he makes for great TV. I love that. And you're right. He, he wrecked Joe Joyce this High year. High ceiling. Yes, uh, or a tall one. Uh, here's one from uh, David. Jim Lampley was recently on the boxing circuit at a couple of fights on the podcast, including yours. Yet it seems no one is inclined to offer him a role. What can we do to get Jim back in the sport? It's like Martin Scorsese not being able to make films. Experts should be appreciated. Uh, David, I agree with you. And I think he's the best in the sport and best there ever was, to be honest with you. When him and Lampley... Um, we're calling the plays. That was my favorite tandem of all time. Merchant. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Lampley and Merchant. I mean, that's my fa- That was my favorite of all time. And he's missed. He's, we had him on the show for a while. We look forward to having him back again. He's happy in North Carolina teaching. He was, he's he left a little bit of a better taste in his mouth with HBO, but that's, that's the business. And some guys like to just, Hey, that was my run. And who knows if I can go back. Look, in a perfect world, maybe the Saudis get involved and throw a ton of money and lure him back because um, I think he deserves it. He is the best. Speaking of Larry Merchant, I know last week everyone was concerned because it was reported that he was hospitalized. Mm. Uh, we're, we're taping this particular show on Tuesday afternoon, December 26th. I spoke to Larry. He's back. He called it a false alarm. Great day. And so he's up and running. I hope to see him later this week for lunch. Love so everyone it. out there with your well wishes, that is greatly appreciated. Awesome. Here's a question from Ignacio Ortiz. If everything goes right, can Virgil Ortiz make noise at 154? And who do you guys want to see Joseph Parker fight next? Well, first, I want to see just Ortiz to be able to get in there. You know, poor guys had uh, health issues and concerns and battles, and he was really like on the, the right trajectory before he had to deal with all that. We have to see before we can make a prediction if he's going to make noise or not. So hopefully he'll get in there um, and we'll see him in action soon. Uh, Joseph Parker, with all his momentum... I know there was whispers about him maybe rematching uh, Joshua. I think they both have to fight someone else to let that fight yeah. build a little bit. I don't necessarily want to see that uh, right away. How about Parker and Zhang? Oh, yeah. Now, that I'd like to see. See, now, That's that, that right there, you yeah. say the winner of that gets to go something even yeah. bigger. Yeah. Um, as for Virgil Ortiz, I'm being told, and again, he's back with Robert Garcia in the RGBA. Um, Victor Conte in the snack system is assisting, making oh, sure great. he gets to the dance. That'll help him. Nice. And my understanding is that they've kind of adjusted the way they train wise old proverb less is more don't leave it in the gym you don't have to grind yourself all the way to the bone make it to the dance and also that extra seven pounds to 154 is going to make a difference Mm -hmm. so i'm looking forward to how he fights against frederick lawson that'll be the first show of the year we'll talk about that card golden boys initial promotion of 2024 but again uh i'm interested to see number one like you said can he get to the dance Got to get to the dance. Number two, how does he perform and how does he carry the junior middleweight level? Here's Ron from Not Prince. 
Hamed. Um, if Wilder carries on fighting, do you guys still want to see the Joshua fight against Wilder, assuming Wilder gets more active and wins a comeback fight against Wallin or Miller, etc.? While Fury and Usyk fight two times next year, Joshua has to look to other opponents fighting two, three times since Fury is tied up. Mario, my understanding is the Wilder-Joshua fight is not completely dead, regardless of what happened this past weekend. Is that a good or bad thing? Shouldn't results matter? They should, and I'm surprised to hear that, to be honest with you. But I'll tell you what, a lot of the predictions are probably changed now that um, Wilder went out how he did, and based on Joshua's performance, those odds dramatically changed. And I think a lot of people thought that Wilder would go out there and spark Joshua. I don't think that's the case so much uh, anymore. It's funny how things change. Mario, can I give you something that there is a precedence for this? I remember it was at the Staples Center. Manny Pacquiao was fighting uh, Hector Velasquez, and then Eric Morales was fighting Zahir Rahim. I remember that. And I was it was there. supposed to That's be right. a prelude to their rematch. Well, okay. Velasquez read the script. You know who didn't? Zahir Rahim, who boxed that. his ears off. And all of us were thinking, oh, my God, so what do they do now? And Bob Merrill said, what do you mean? We're doing the re. He got pissed off at Larry Merchant when he asked that question. Guess what? It didn't really dissipate the interest level of the rematch. You so know, there is a precedent for that. There is, and it's it's weird, Kim, because like I said, had he been victorious, I think a lot of people would have went into the fight thinking that Wilder was going to spark Joshua. Now, it kind of makes it interesting. No, no. Here's the funny thing about that rivalry. You know what I mean? So, and I call it a rivalry knowing that they've never fought. In right. 2018, I think a lot of people said 50-50 fight. By 2020, they think, oh, Wilder's going to bomb him. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then now it's like, Oh, AJ's going to kill him. So, like, hey, here's the funny thing. They've never fought. I know. So, maybe, maybe we actually just need to do this fight regardless. Oh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think, it, look, I think Josh was chomping at the bit, and I think it does probably bigger business than any other heavyweight fight out there outside of Fury Usyk. Right. And by the way, I'm not so sure that, again, those right hands that Parker was able to get underneath. Right. I'm not completely convinced, as good as... He looked. That applies to a more, you know, statuesque, I'm not stiffer mad, I'm not mad if that AJ. Still happens. We'll see. Oh, here's our guy, the only Sanch. Ask that BFF of the weasel, <laughs> Mario Lopez. What fight will he go to Saudi Arabia for? He needs to make that trip with his boys, McGregor and Ronaldo. Yo, McGregor. McGregor He's talking someone's ears off. God, yeah, my guy looked like he had a couple cocktails. Ronaldo looked like he was about to. That was the best meeting. Wanted to move. Yeah. All this weekend. Um, I would love to go. To Saudi Arabia. I would love to plan a trip. I think I got invited there or Dubai a couple of times, but it didn't work out with work. But I want to plan it with time. I'm down to go. I'll wear whatever and do, you know, I think I'm down to go. You make there. fights like Better BF, Bevol. Mm. I'm in. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fights that, that they can make that no one else can put together in terms of, of because of the economic impetus. Um, but the other bucket list item, because I don't know if he's ever going to fight in the U.S., I got to watch Inouye one more time. It's really a shame with Inouye. Why do you say he would never fight in the U.S.? Um, he makes a lot of yen. Okay. I've heard economically it makes almost no sense for him to come back out wow. here. Wow. And keep this in mind. He fought on one of Tom Loeffler's I'm down to go to Japan. Bonsai. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, he fought in the U.S. At the <laughs> so state- one word he knows. He and, yeah. <laughs> what I got, though. Anyway, um, he fought at the Konnichiwa, Home Depot Konnichiwa. Center. Konnichiwa. <laughs> so he fought Stupid. at the war grounds in Carson. <laughs> Underneath the Chocolatito uh, rematch <laughs> All right. with Secret Set Sorongasai on one of Tom Loeffler's 
um, Superfly shows. And it was kind of a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Hardcore Harry loved them. During the bubble, keep this in mind, they were going to do a major show against John Raul Casamero, another Filipino. It was going to be a unification bout. I was told by ticket brokers, namely Jim Boone, my guy, KO Tickets, he said it was the greatest ticket in 10 years. The whales were coming out, and that thing was going to be big, and it was going to be an explosion. But you know what happened in April of 2020? The pandemic. Mm. So then even when he came back to the U.S. and Top Rank had him against uh, Das Marinius and yeah. Maloney, they had to go to smaller rooms at the Virgin. Got it. So if there was ever a fighter oh, that was really affected by the pandemic and COVID, it is him. And now with that Amazon Prime deal in Japan, he makes close to eight figures. Well, I all, mean, all I know, and I respect him for wanting to get more yen, more power. To don't him. we all? All I know is that Japan is having itself a moment with Inoue right now, this being this huge international star, Shohei Otani yeah. being this huge international star. Well, hold star, on. Speaking of that, Yamamoto. Final, final flurries, the Nippon Dodgers. They've signed everyone short of giant robot, Godzilla, Bro. and Inoue. Godzilla oh, would cost less than Shohei, I'll he tell you would. that. But just in general, Japan's really having a moment right now with these no. athletes and this uh, worldwide acclaim that they're getting, deservedly so, too. I like all those guys. They're all gentlemen, too. Yeah, and I heard their closer is going to be Hello Kitty. Their oh, negotiations God. with that. Oh, uh, God. But, 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 is it World Series or bust? I, yes, I, come I, on. I think, I think you got to at least make it. I think you got to at least make it. You got to at, at least make it there. And look, it, pitching was our... Uh, Achilles heel last year. Ironically, we can't have Shohei pitch because the, the shoulder's injured. So hopefully we get uh, Gonsolin, May, Bueller, all those guys back. I don't know who he is coming back, but we need we still need to shore up that pitching. And then we should be able, God willing, to make a nice um, little run. We'll see. But like I said before, I think Dodger Dogs will probably be about $25. I'm, I'm hoping they, they start adding sushi <laughs> to the list now at Dodger Stadium. That'd be, that'd be bomb. They don't have those already? Not sushi? for the not for the general. I think it's some of the sweets. Like Mario. yeah, it's like sweets. like he yeah. sits in the general. Like yeah, I said, Mario. Like he said, yeah. Okay. Uh, knock it off. I'm talking. Okay. I'm, I'm for the people. Talking about for the people. For right the there. people. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mario, yesterday, great time at your house, spending Christmas. Got to watch some football. Ate some Italian. But we ended the night watching an American cinematic classic. I'm not gonna lie to you. We got a little critical at the end. Um, couple plot twist that were holes in Heat. The movie Heat. Classic. Great Michael Mann. Heat. 1995. Wow, By the way, prior to that, it was like an unintentional Robert De Niro weekend, too. We watched um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. He's great in that. Is this old In other words, you're guy. good you. You're good yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Him and DiCaprio, so he stars in that. We watched, well, we watched Oppenheimer. It wasn't in that. Uh, great movie, though. And then we watched The Deer Hunter. Mm. Probably one of the best Mm-mm-mm. Vietnam vet movies. What a dark movie. Ooh, All these movies is. are like three and a half hours, too. Great in that. He was great in that. Then we watched Heat. And damn, he was good in that. And that was such a such a classic, great movie. Everyone was great. Now, what problem did you have in it? I cleared it up for you already. Heat. Why his stepdaughter ended up in his hotel room. They had been separated for a while, so the stepdaughter already had a key there. You don't think Michael Mann thought of that, they, Kim? They didn't really space it out very well. Oh, shut up. Honest. Yes, they did. They don't need to break it down they on an really entry school. You know who's underrated in that movie? Not, by the way, uh, single mom, great job. There, yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah, and she deserves a blame. You know who's off. underrated in that movie? Who? John Voight. Yeah, John Voight was really good. He's That's good a, in that, last dude. Last time he really played kind of a younger guy. 
Because yeah. at that point, he just became the old guy. The Dude, foot, he was great in that, Then though. became Bud Kilmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With football coach. Here, here's Everybody the, was solid. And, the, then, and then that's when Pacino started doing all of his yelling. It's yeah. He went from scent to a woman to that, and he did all this. She's got a great ass. Right. Um, Get shot walking your doggy. He was a good football coach. Good football coach. Yeah, that's right. But everything was yelling. Yeah. Don't waste my motherfucking time. In other words, everything was, <laughs> was yelling. starring Al Pacino as... Al Pacino. Um, all right, the other the other thing that I found very interesting. Okay, um, and again, I like the movie. I love the movie. The cafe scene where they buy you a cup of coffee. Kate Maninelli's. Yeah, I love that. Here in L.A. Okay, here's the thing. So, what? All right. So, De Niro's character says, "Okay," he tells that girl, thirty seconds, I'm out." So he starts running. At the, at the hotel. After he has to get revenge. He never told the girl. First of all, you're well, wrong. You're he right. told Pacino. Yeah, no, but he, if you can't walk away from something 30, 30 seconds or late when out. you feel the heat coming, get, get her. That's the discipline. So he made that, de- he made, he made that decision. They were right? boxed in, by the way. Right. They were going so anywhere. 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 <laughs> so he starts <laughs> running away. I know. So here's the thing. So Pacino <laughs> gets, he gets, the, the ambulance gets in his way. The bus gets in the way. There's 800 people. He has like a 45 second head start. <laughs> by the way. How in the world does he take? Him. I got even to hold on. Come on. That's more believable than this. And my buddy who's a cop in here at the moment could tell me. That's more believable. He just grabbed that 12 gauge shotgun from that cop like nothing. Right. Give me that. Just give me that. And just why I would be like, who's going to just hand over a guy? I don't think you do that, right? Oh, yeah. You just don't. That was more unbelievable right. than didn't him the, fighting this. Didn't he show just, the badge. Didn't show the badge. No, just grabbed it. Just grabbed it like nothing. <laughs> Right. And so, so, so then. There's a couple of tough bites. We're being meticulous. Yeah, that's what I am. And so then he wa- he goes on to like the runway of the airplanes. I'm like, okay, how'd you get on that so easily? It can't be that easy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden. I mean, right. And then, and then Pacino. The 90s. And then Pacino must have been like Italian Usain Bolt. Because the guy had to be 500 yards behind. And then all of a sudden, he's the catch-up speed is like Deion Sanders in 1993. He's the closer. He's like Tyree Kill. And I'm thinking, okay, now, well, wait, wait. First of all. Um, you're telling me that Pacino doesn't call in help, like, hey, let's get to the airport. This this guy's like kind of roaming around the uh, the runway. Come on, really? I don't have a problem with that. Oh, you don't? With, no, 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 no. Because it was open space and he was hiding, so it gave him chance to catch up. When the lights came on and began his his like sixth sense kicked in, we saw the shadow. Remember, yeah. and that's how we turned around. Those that Indian sixth sense that he had was a little bit of a tough by that and grabbing the twelve gauge. But Dan was a good but movie, also, and I like that they paid homage to LA. Yeah, and I also I also love the fact they had a part of Koreatown. Um, I think one of my aunts or uncles' businesses were probably shown in there. And also, Dennis Haysbert from Allstate was in the movie, man. He, he was, was a cook. He was, he, was, he was getting a raw deal, he man. Was, hey, he knew the risks. He, he like De Niro the, said. He, <laughs> he knew the knew, risks. He, knew, yeah, he didn't make it long. He was one of the first guys <laughs> killed. <laughs> he knew the risks. Got killed. But I, I thought it was a really... What a great cast, though. It's a great cast. Depth. Tom Sizemore was good in that. Too. Yes. Tom, Rest in peace. Tom needed the Danny action. Danny Trejo was good, too. Yes. Danny, Danny didn't make it either. He didn't make it. Well, they tortured man, his wife. always that weak link. Wayne Grove was... The weak That's the link. weirdest name ever, Wingro. Wingro. You don't hear too many. He, he was good at everything. That. He messed up everything. Everything would have been perfect without Wingro. Without Wingro, everything would have been fine. Oh, but the- you know what? The one thing that bothered me, De Niro, he had it home free. When John Voight told him that info, you asked, so I got to tell Why you. Why would he tell him that? No, he asked, so he's got to tell him. I, I'm not mad at that. He should have let that fester. He should have got on that plane, went to New Zealand. Either waited about a year to come back and get right. Wayne Grow, or he could have had one of his homies paid him handsomely to take care of Wingro. It's like Carlito's way. You're almost out of it exactly and you're not exactly uh, Mario NFL season moral is a, of the story yes the NFL season's about to wind down oh here we saw and, yeah hell of a game uh, here's the issue I'm gonna tell you right now my MVP I don't know who yours is I kinda like Lamar Jax yes here's the here's yes. I, don't have, I don't have a problem with that but can I 
I, why does it always have to be a quarterback? That's the way why, it is. I agree. Okay, I don't think it has to be. Why can't it be Christian McCaffrey okay. or Tyreek Hill? Yes. Why can't it be? I don't disagree. Be? So I like all three of those. As far as offensive player of the year, I think you got to go McCaffrey. Defensive player... Miles Garrett, we said. We Miles, like Miles Garrett. or T.J. Watt. But again, winning or matters. TJ Watt, or T.J. Watt. And I think coach of the year, you got to go Dan Campbell with the Detroit Lions. Dan. Dan's such a football you got to go with him with the, the way he's turned that around. If you're the Chargers, I'm just telling you, and I know you speak to the Spanos. I know you hang out with them. You go under their suites and their box, eating their sushi on Sundays. I get it. <laughs> their sushi's bomb, by the way. Oh, see, again, again, <laughs> regular guy here, Joe Fan <laughs> here. What do you want me to do? Yeah. I hang out with you. What do you yeah. want me to do? You know what? That's a good point. I can't. I got balance out. I got a balance from the crash. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would tell the Spanos, hey, hey, guys, get the polar opposite. I'm being dead serious. You got to get the polar opposite of Staley. Get a true football guy like like the Raiders. I kind of like Antonio Pierce. He's bringing that rugged, hard nosed football mentality, and they are playing for that guy. I I am not a fan of coaches that are too analytics-based. Because you know why? This game is played by men with conditions that are not always perfect. And Football's men, not played on a spreadsheet. And they need to respect their coach. And, and, and yeah. went from Sierra Post to Harbaugh and Belichick now? No, no. Harbaugh, to me, is a real football coach. Now, he might drive everyone crazy by the fourth year, but you might be in a couple Super Bowls or at least a championship game. But in my view, there has to be a swinging of the pendulum instead of getting like these analytics guys. Get football guys. Get a Dan Campbell. Get an Antonio Pierce. Get guys like that or men that. will actually say, you know what? Lead us. I like that. Okay. So MVP, I'm telling you, Lamar Jackson, those those Ravens look good. Yeah. Both sides in line of scrimmage. And Lamar Jackson, you say, well, how come a quarterback or running back? Well, he could be a running back. He's a running back slash receiver. No, class he looked good, but I'll tell you what looks even more impressive is that damn defense. Yes. Purdy threw, what, four interceptions? Could have been five. That defense looked impressive. Yes. That looked like the Ravens defense of Ray, Ray Lewis, Lewis days. Ed Reed. Yep. So that's going to be really, really yeah. interesting. And Mario, it's our last show of the year. We'll be back in two weeks. What a yeah. year it's been. It's we're been we're, we're back. So Ho- hopefully, yeah, hopefully this time we won't take it. Let me help you out a little bit no, more. Yeah. I drank a little too much last night. You weren't even drinking as much oh, as you normally drink. I had to drive. I'm already an Asian driver. Good okay, that's right. true. All right, here Sunday. we go. So, so on behalf, we want to thank all the fans. We do. The, yes. uh, we've been gone for a while, but now we're us. back. <laughs> right, and they're giving us brass knuckles. Um, here we go. Salute. Orale. Bonsai. And one last thing, again, if you want to sponsor our fine program in 2024 and beyond, email us at info at boxbid.io. And Mario, we'll, we will be back in two weeks, second week of January, talking about everything in the world of boxing and beyond. So on behalf of Mario Lopez, Smokin' Tim Frazier, and Tino on the edits, this has been the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass.